0: This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Beth Schenk, Executive Director of Environmental Stewardship at Providence. Beth, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for inviting me. Now, I'm really excited to speak with you because I know there's so many things that are happening in healthcare right now, and and really a lot uh, going on in terms of natural disasters and how environmental stewardship really dovetails into healthcare and healthcare providers. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Sure. Um, Yes, I serve as the Executive Director of Environmental Stewardship at Providence, and you know that Providence is a large organization with 52 hospitals and nearly a thousand clinics across seven Western states. So we have a large environmental footprint and we're a large, complex organization. I've been with Providence a long time. I started as a nurse in, in a hospital in Montana, and I've therefore seen operations, how hospitals work, what works within them in terms of communications and strategies and process improvement, and also what is the pollution that we're talking about that we're trying to reduce. So I've been interested in this topic for a long time. It just seemed so clear to me early on that that's a problem. If we're creating that much pollution that then has the potential to harm health, we're kind of violating our our duty. So I've really been working on it for a long time. That eventually led me into graduate school and my doctorate, in which I studied the environmental impacts of healthcare. And that plus I think on the ground in the hospital experience really has prepared me well to do this work uh, across this complex organization
0: that's great to hear and you know it's just so interesting to hear how um, you first started thinking about how pollution and the environment affects health and really how healthcare organizations themselves are are affecting the environment so um, i'm just i'm really thrilled to start this conversation so i'll dive right in here um, how are natural disasters affecting hospitals and access to care across the U.S.? What are you really seeing there and in, in what's top of mind for you?
1: Well, this is uh, picking up speed, isn't it? Because we're seeing more in terms of natural disasters related to weather and those that are related to climate. And they they can be devastating from uh, events in the southeast with hurricanes, floods, and severe storms to events in the west which are more oriented to wildfires, heat, um, it, long time exposures to smoke because the, this is not just a problem in the United States but it's in our part of the world it's continental so we experience smoke from fires all up and down the west coast through Canada, Alaska, all the way down through um, California and Mexico. So um, those are some of the things that we're up against in terms of Issues caused by climate change that impact health. Now, you asked specifically about hospitals and and healthcare delivery, and that too is a concern because sometimes these things, these events, make it quite difficult for hospitals to even stay open. And we've read about some of those in the Southeast with with storms or in the Midwest with enormous snowfall. In our part of the world, um, we have so far been able to keep our doors open, but it's not without, without stress. And that's not true for all hospitals along the West Coast. We know of some that have had to close their doors during fire events. And we ourselves have had to transport patients out of long-term care. We almost had to transport patients out of one of our hospitals related to encroaching fires. So during the, the heat dome of 2021, when we saw 116 degrees in Portland, Oregon, and 108 degrees in Seattle, This was much higher than people were prepared for and much higher than our buildings were prepared for. So one of our larger hospitals in Portland experienced um, warpage of door jams and window frames. These are made of steel. It's astonishing. And the building itself uh, gained so much heat because buildings are made of concrete and steel and and materials that do um, react to heat. It was harder to maintain the stability of the building for its HVAC and air conditioning and humidity after that. And those are all important safety features in healthcare. Another hospital in the, in the Seattle area did need to close down a unit. And they asked people to stay home because they couldn't keep the buildings cool enough. And they were concerned about comfort mostly, but you know, we err on the side of caution in healthcare and, and don't want to put any, anyone at risk. We know during that period that The emergency rooms in Western Washington and Oregon were full, and and hundreds of people died that would not have normally died had the temperatures been closer to normal. So this was a wake-up call um, for us in the West and in the Northwest, particularly where where we're used to more moderate weather events. And it's turned our attention toward how do we prepare for that sort of thing. So this is something that hospitals across the country are beginning to experience, you know, in some places more than others. And I would say the West, in the West, the Rocky Mountains and the West Coast, and in the South and the Southeast, we're seeing that the most right now.
0: Absolutely. I I think that really makes a lot of sense. And thank you so much for contextualizing and sharing a little bit about how the environmental impact, uh, what that's had on Providence and some of the infrastructure, as well as the health and, and well-being of communities that you serve. Um, you know, from your, the health system perspective, I know that Providence is working on climate resiliency and, and really making that a big part of how they think about growth and development in the future. Do tell us a little bit more about what that entails and how health system executives can build these climate resiliency plans into their overall strategic plans?
1: Yeah, well, I think probably a lot of hospitals are working on that about now because because this is now a growing concern that has um, has people's attention. Also, for those hospitals that have um, signed on to the pledge, the climate pledge put out by the Department of Health and Human Services last year in 2022, uh, one of our deliverables this year is a climate resiliency plan. So we're certainly working on that. And, and it's, it's complex. I mean, not only for, for Providence, which is a large health system spread out across seven states with a lot of different geographies and weather from Anchorage, Alaska to Lubbock, Texas, Healthcare delivery itself is complex. So we're thinking about our climate resiliency in three kind of overlapping circles. And we're calling this effort We Reach. And that is, that stands for something, REACH does, resiliency, equity, adaptation, climate, and health. As a reminder about Providence, our work is always grounded in our mission and our core values. And this initiative, our environmental stewardship commitment, is grounded particularly in our core value of justice. And because of that, we're concerned about justice for vulnerable populations today, for people who aren't born yet and will be future humans, and for other species. So we're always paying attention to the impacts that we have on the communities we serve but also trying to respond to the signs of the times in terms of what's changing for those communities so that's why equity is that e in there we're, we're very concerned about that as we um, address climate and health in ways that build resilience and also respond through adaptation so the three overlapping circles are these first is our healthcare delivery so we talked about that a little bit with the building i referred to We have other issues in terms of keeping temperatures where they should be and keeping indoor air quality where it needs to be when we've had in the past few years, uh, Spokane, Washington was at one point the most polluted city in the world because of heavy smoke. Another time, Portland had that dubious honor of being the most polluted uh, city in the world, the worst air quality. So how do hospitals keep their air clean? that's actually more challenging than you would think when the pollution, the particulate is so heavy, especially the very small particulate. So that's something that we're beefing up really everywhere we go. Um, we're, we're asking the hospitals, what are they experiencing? Another hospital told us, this is in the Seattle area, that during some of the fires, they had enough smoke ash, so ash from the fires, that it got into their cooling towers, which are water, and they had to. It, it basically made the water unusable. They had to flush the entire system, which wasted a lot of water and required more chemicals to do so. So that's something we want to avoid because as you know, we're really working hard on the mitigation side as well, which is reducing the pollution in the first place. So there are elements about the buildings and about operations that are impacted when we have these extreme events. So that's one circle. Another one is clinical care. So what do we need to do differently to care well for people who have vulnerable diagnoses or who are vulnerable themselves? So for instance, people with lung disease or heart disease are more at risk during wildfire smoke days and certainly wildfires. Many diseases are more, many people with many disease states are more at risk during high heat. So what do our clinicians and our pharmacists and our nurses need to understand about preparation education our community health teams our population health teams so we're shifting our orientation a little bit to be more aware of these things that we may have just taken for granted like well it's hot sometimes in the summer but 116 degrees when people aren't prepared and don't even have air conditioning in a lot of cases can be lethal and it was lethal in 2021 so we're shifting the way we think about that because these these things are happening now and this is um, this is adaptation. We're adapting to the changes. And then the third of the circles that overlap is the work we do in the communities we serve. So I mentioned that that this work is grounded in our core value of justice. And we have always, for 160 years, been quite involved in the communities wherever we are. We have a phrase in Providence Saint Joseph Health called dear neighbor. And that indicates that we are caring for the people right around us. And certainly we have a global perspective as well, but we really want to be true to the needs of the people that that we know and care about. So um, we have a long history of working with existing organizations and partners and trying to expand um, our reach to impact health in communities. So that could be through the social determinants of health like we've done for a long time, from housing and education and food security and fighting poverty and racism. And we're also including now the environmental determinants of health. There's a long list of those. And in fact, we did a scan a year and a half, over over the past year basically, of looking at the environmental determinants of health in all the cities and communities we serve, from Alaska to Lubbock. And many of them are similar in terms of climate impacts, heat, wildfire, smoke, mental health issues, financial loss and harm, But we also have local and specific issues like uh, building quality, um, proximity to freeways, um, industries, and the neighborhoods that are more impacted by pollution from industries. So we bring that into, and we're bringing that more and more into, the lens we use to determine needs in our community and to uh, make decisions about uh, what kind of support we can provide. Because as, as, as people who know something about health, you know, we have a lot of very well-prepared people who are physicians, pharmacists, nurses, et cetera, um, we can offer that. We can offer that kind of help. So our we reach resiliency plan is these three broad areas, and there's lots of overlap between them, and you can imagine that that gets pretty complex when we're talking about 52 hospitals and 1,000 clinics across seven western states. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a lot to keep track of and, and really a lot to care for in terms of thinking about, you know, not only the infrastructure side, but then the healthcare providers and really what it takes to be prepared on the clinical level and, and having your core values be part of uh, part of that plan and that strategic plan going forward. So um, it's so interesting to hear you talk about all those different ways that environmental stewardship can really impact healthcare and healthcare organizations. Um, and just because there's so much going on uh, across those lines, I was wondering if you could zero in on some of the things that are most important priorities for hospitals and health systems, especially those that are just beginning their journeys um, and thinking about climate resiliency.
1: Well, probably um, sites that are getting started will start with their infrastructure, because that's, first of all, it's the most tangible, um, it's the most visible, uh, they, they'd be more familiar with that, they would understand their HVAC system needs and their air, air filtration needs, their water uh, security, and that that sort of thing, and that really varies depending on where in the nation or world you are, and what are the uh, changes that are happening that they need to respond to. So probably that would be where to start. And you know, in healthcare, we're as I said before, we're risk averse, so we already have hazard plans, we have emergency preparedness teams, and some of this work in terms of the infrastructure can be rolled into. That existing work, so so people don't have to start from scratch, but oftentimes they may need to expand their lens. And in some places where they're they have already undergone damage from flooding or or uh, you know building decay or whatever it might be, they may have to make some hard decisions about rebuilding and changing. Um, I've read about hospitals that had their power plants in the basement, which is very common. And they really can't do that anymore because of more regular flooding so there are some longer term strategies for adaptation but for those that are getting started i think they'll probably need to assess and begin to make plans uh, when and where they can
0: That makes a lot of sense and you know when you are thinking about that and when you are thinking about how you can bake that into your um, entire plan um in, in some of the climate resiliency and whatnot you know, does that change at all some of your budgetary considerations or is that part of the overall holistic discussion that you have to have when you're thinking about, you know, what makes the most sense going forward?
1: Well, um, I think, you know, particularly if there are repairs to make, yes, it does clearly uh, uh, indicate that that we have to come up with the budget for that. Um, A lot of hospitals do have sort of a break-fix budget so that we can keep things moving and keep going forward. And with some planning, a lot of times we can be smart about, about what we invest in and at what time and address those. Um, I think in terms of, for instance, the other two of the VIN circles, um, educating uh, clinicians, for instance, and providing patient education, that is not terribly expensive in terms of big capital costs, but it is it does have some expense and it takes time. It takes staff time. It takes clinical expertise to be able to help not only educate, but change the culture so that we can look at our um, especially vulnerable populations through this lens. We had a wonderful example um, of that our population health was able to do, health team was able to do during that heat wave. They identified that um, they know, actually, this was, this, this was an event that happened in Portland for the first time, but they've expanded it. They identified, you know, we know who's at risk because we know who has what disease, where they live, what neighborhood they're in through our health record. This is for, you know, the people that we know, not not so much the people in the community that we don't know, though, though they can benefit as well. They could take the EHR data, specific data, overlay the publicly available weather data to know when it was going to be very hot, where the tree cover is or isn't, and where which neighborhoods are hotter or have less protection. Even there's a little bit of information in some cities about air conditioning or not. And then they could identify specific individuals, uh, n- a number of them, who are at risk from a particular diagnosis in the face of 116 degrees and send community health workers out to see them. So that that's a fabulous uh, example of adaptation to these changing climatic conditions. We have that in place, because we have a commitment to population health. We have great analytics for our EHR. If we didn't have that, that would be a big hurdle. And even so, it's taking a lot of concentration and focused attention to be able to use these tools that are really helpful to do what we say we're going to do, which is to help keep people
0: safe. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And that's such a great example, again, of, you know, what's possible once you put your mind and resources to it um, in terms of, you know, the population health side, as well as the environmental side. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I just wanted to ask, uh, as you're looking into the future, what are some of your top priorities right now and how are you planning uh, for the next year or so?
1: Well, we have an awful lot going on because, you know, this is part of our overall environmental stewardship initiative. The other kind of big half is what I mentioned briefly, our mitigation strategy. And so we're working on many, many things And we have an analogous um, mnemonic and that is WE ACT, which stands for waste, energy, water, agriculture, food, chemicals and transportation. We're working on all of those to drive down carbon emissions, drive down waste, drive down costs, while educating and engaging both caregivers and the patients we serve uh, who come through our doors or who we meet out in our communities. So we have, um, as I say, many projects going on there from our waste optimization strategy to energy audits, to agriculture uh, and food strategies to decrease the carbon intensity of meals served. We're working on our WEAC scorecard, which is um, a phenomenal uh, tool that we've developed along with our team in Hyderabad, India at the Providence Global Center, and with that, we're able to track. Uh, The resource use of a particular thing like kilowatt hours or gallons of water, uh, the cost of it and the carbon emissions of that on a monthly basis for every hospital. So that's giving us all sorts of information and data to help us make informed decisions to move quickly toward efficiency. Because in the end, by reducing the waste we create and the carbon emissions we emit, we're helping to protect patients and families in the communities we serve. Sometimes that's a hard connection for people to make because it seems so remote, but when we think about this global uh, crisis of climate change and and other environmental crises, we know that this is a long game, and we're planning now and doing now the work that we can, everything we can really, we're, we're kind of all in for this decade particularly, to prevent further emissions, and to dial back what we're doing as a way of changing the way we do business and the way healthcare does business in order to be causing less harm with climate every year.
0: That's fantastic to hear. Beth, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. This has been a really interesting and informative discussion. I've learned a lot, and I know our listeners have as well. Uh, Thanks again for being here, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed it.